This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. presents films for feminists is this a love of cinema gone mad is this the impossible dream of finding films that represent women and girls in a way most intelligent most equal most inclusive and intersectional is this feminism on film with Sonia Hammer who stars as a woman who lives for the impossible dream of a world of cinema where women are paid equally to men is this just fantasy a film fantasy. No, it's real. Uncovering old and new films for women and girls about women and girls. Listen to us Monday nights on Broad. Films for feminists on Joy 94.9. Yeah, I think I think whatever it takes, I think that sometimes it needs some intervention to redress the balance. Because because we we have to sort of train up the next generation coming through and give young women a chance to to develop their you know themselves as filmmakers and for it to be a more equal playing ground and you know if it takes some kind of engineering to achieve that for a while then then I think that's fine yeah. it, it wouldn't be forever but I think it sometimes it, it takes that to just like shake things up and yes. give you know give women a chance. first term is a physical and emotional undoing that you will be forced to unlearn everything that you've ever learned that you will break so what happens here and what can you do to minimize the damage acting's hard work stanley you have to earn my respect my sister had this weird thing where she slept with her coach i was the one who caught them was he, like, forcing her? Not at all. She wanted it. It's like the tennis girl. I think it's current. Generational. Sex. Power. Why did you choose the tennis scandal story? I know her sister. What? That's crazy. How come? Man with a secret. When are you going to tell your girlfriend? It's all about how badly he wanted. He changed his mind. You have to go all the way, all the time. If you pull back even a little, you just disappoint yourself. 
I'm Sonia from abroad on Joy 94.9, speaking to Alison McLean, director of the film The Rehearsal, which is having a only a limited run at the stage at the ACMI from January 18th to the February the 6th. So yes, welcome to Broad. Thanks. Hi. Excellent. So speaking to us, in, you're in New York at the moment? Yeah. I'm in Brooklyn, yeah. Of course, uh, the great thing too for this film of yours, it's going to have a special Q&A video, I believe, video conferencing on Wednesday the 18th of Jan. That's the plan. Before the film or after the film? or I guess after the film. I guess after. I, I'm assuming it's after. Yeah, I would yeah. presume that would be. Speak about it after, yeah. That would be the logic. Of course, that's part of She Speaks First, which is a great female-focused uh, film series so part of Grey Garden's project. But let's talk about um, the mm. film, Alison. Can you briefly tell us, obviously without spoiling it too much, what the rehearsal uh, is all about? Yeah, it's the, it's a story about a group of kids, uh, first-year students at drama school in New Zealand in Auckland. And in particular, it follows a young Maori guy who arrives at school, feels very much out of his depth, eventually. You know, it, it follows his sort of navigating the year with, the other students and a somewhat ferocious acting teacher and into a kind of first love affair with a young girl who's 15 and he ends up sort of ending up in a kind of morally tricky situation when he he kind of uses a sex scandal involving her sister, Isolde's sister, as material for this end-of-year show that that the students are doing. Yeah, so they're they're basically using that true life story to build so their overall end of the year project or something to yeah mm. i mean obviously they're doing their own interpretation of it but it sort of gets him into this sort of ethically you know tricky situation where he's torn between his ambition really and and then his kind of sense of loyalty to his girlfriend interesting film now it's based on the book eleanor akaton the book a prize-winning author of the novel The Rehearsal. What interested you in adapting this particular story into into doing it into a film? I, I was really quite knocked out by the book. It's very audacious, very bold female voice. And I like the themes of it, which, you know, have to do with learning to become an actor, but also mm. it looks at sort of performance in life and just sort of a point, kids at a point of transition when they're they're sort of trying out possible selves, in a way, different versions of themselves. And I also like the, the sort of power dynamics that that the book explores, you know, between teachers and students and, and between, well, in the case of the book, it's saxophone players, but we turn them into tennis players mm. and their coach. So, and, and, you know, parents and kids. So, so it, it, there's a lot about the sort of power dynamics and, and how they can change that that was quite fascinating to me. I'm lucky to have seen it. So yes, and it's still got that really um, strong sort of a Kiwi sensibility as well. Quite grounded, uh, very matter of fact sort of acting style actually too. James Rolston is excellent mm-hmm. as Stanley, the lead actor mm-hmm. in this production. So was that a deliberate thing, or was it just him and the way he performs bringing that to that role? Very you know, I understated. Mean, yeah, I mean it's. It's very much him, and I mean, I was drawn to cast him because I think he he just comes from a very true place, and he wasn't trained as an actor. He he learned, he's instinctive, you know, mm. and he just kind of draws on his himself and his experiences in a very sort of organic, quite private way. Mm. And, you know, given that the film is so much about 
in a way, quite precocious at times, young actors. It seemed important that this this guy who's the lead should be just very authentic and not be trying too hard, not not be clever, and and just someone who's just in a way quite strict and simple and honest in what he's doing. Mm. And I mean, James really did that because I really felt that he was going through what the character is going through, and that was important to to make the film work. Mm. Now, I've read somewhere online your work and, and the characters that you have in it have been described so it's described as idiosyncratic loners. There seems to be that through the work, the body of work that you've done. Why do you choose those sort of uh, characters? Because they do sort of stand out to be quite individualistic and lonely. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess, I guess some of myself in that, in that when I was young, I was tended to be the kind of, you know, it's more of an observer, just standing a bit more on the sidelines and a little, you know, just naturally a little bit more of a kind of introverted person. Yeah, I guess I guess that's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I understand. <laughs> now, for a lot of our listeners and for, let's face it, myself, um, big fan, of course, looking at your background of, and body of work there, of course, it's uh, for me and I guess a lot of people would be kitchen sink from 1989 would be the one, the short film that just blew everybody away, basically. It's been a long time since then. Do you still get a lot of (laughs) questions like this one about the inspiration of that short film and how how important it is? Yeah, I mean, that that was... Yeah, it's it's sort of had an extraordinary life, really. It was honestly a slightly mysterious process whereby there was a an assignment in a way that the Film Commission New Zealand were calling for ideas for a 13-minute short film with set budget, that sort of thing. Mm. And I was trying to think of something that would happen to someone, probably a woman, alone at home. And I thought of the hair, and, and it's just one of those strange things that doesn't happen very often where it just kind of unraveled in my mind and 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 sort of became what it was, you know, quite quickly. I thought of the whole thing, except for the ending. The ending took about three months to think about, to, mm. to, to come up with. But, you know, I was I was sort of inspired by a film like, like Cronenberg's The Fly, that was sort of a love story and a kind of horror film. Yeah. I also wanted to do something, and it's sort of a Pygmalion story too, but I wanted to do a film that was silent, that had almost no dialogue. So it was also a little bit of an exercise in trying to come up with a story that, that had almost no talking. Yeah, no, I watched it again. I haven't watched it for many years, but it's still really stark and it's that lack of sound is quite deafening, mm. apart from the gurgling and squishy uh, sink sounds. <laughs> and I believe the headless chickens I could hear in the background. So uh, Yes. The band, yeah, they, they, that they is. They came up with a lovely, <laughs> wonderful track. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, A Million Dollar Dream. So, I mean, it's such an important part of Kiwiana, that film. Now, Crush, of course, is the other one, 1992, looking at your career. And that was uh, also something that broke the mould, I think, for storytelling made in New Zealand. I haven't really lived that down because of, I guess, we're a queer radio station, so having those sorts of themes and LGBTQ themes and things in a film, it's still a rare thing, mm-hmm. you know, to have those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, mm. it probably was unusual for that time. 
Yeah, mm. I agree. Uh, now, going again, looking through the Jesus' son, that was just working with some amazing people like Holly Hunter and um, the wonderful late uh, Dennis Hopper. Do you get to choose mm-hmm. choosing and to work with people like that? artists like that or it's it's a little bit hit and miss i mean i we spent a long time casting that film and actors came in different ways and sometimes it would be completely unexpected like holly for example knew someone that was auditioning for another part and Mm -hmm. she met dennis johnson she just read it off her own bat and kind of came to us and said she was interested so i mean that doesn't often happen dennis hopper we sent it to him and he just read his scene he didn't read anything else and liked the scene and said yes. So, And then there were people like Jack Black and Michael Shannon who have, you know, gone on to, you know, have big careers. But mm. that was right at the very beginning before they were very well known. So I feel like we were, we had a, we were very lucky with the cast we had with that film. A lot of really exceptional actors. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, great film, of course. And then moving on and doing uh, some TV work and stuff like that. But I found out something about you I, I had no idea, and that was uh, your part of Natalie Imbruglia's fantastic song, uh, Torn. <laughs> I was very excited. Torn, yeah, yeah. To know that you were a part of that. Yeah. How did, yeah, yeah that, yeah. that was also just a, I mean, I didn't even really know her work that well but somehow that that came to me and I was asked to come up with an idea and I was thinking about when you're on set making a film mm. you know that there's always a monitor that you end up as a director you end up just staring at this monitor for hours every day yes. and the monitor is often showing you know all the in-between moments and so you're often seeing all kinds of stuff passing through that frame that, that doesn't end up getting filmed. So I just decided to use that idea of a kind of fixed camera monitor and just cutting together all all the yeah, all the things that happen in between and behind mm-hmm. the scenes moments and and that that was a really that was a really kind of fun, charmed experience making that video. Yeah, well, it, one of the it biggest... It turned out much better than I expected, <laughs> yeah. Like but of a... course, it was a hit song. Oh, huge, so, yeah. 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 It's like a really lovely mm. happenstance, you know. Mm. Uh, and, and you almost kind of sounds like you think these things happen by surprise or something, as far as your work goes, but... Well, yeah, I mean, it, now and then, mm. I find it usually isn't this way, but now and then, so, you know, since the stars will align, and I love it when that happens, <laughs> where it's just the combination of people involved. I don't know, sort of an idea and circumstances and various talents and various things just seem to align, and it just something becomes bigger than you expected. I love it when that happens, but it's actually quite rare, and that was one of those times, I would say. I mean, you hope that it'll be like that every time, but, but it really isn't. <laughs> yeah, because you've got such a... Sometimes it's a lot more work. <laughs> yeah. You've got such a span of work over such a period of time. And I was reading an article from uh, TIFF from last September, the Toronto International Film Festival, where the rehearsal are screened. And the interviewer talked about, you know, being a female director, being a woman director. Is that important? And, and do you think it is difficult you know, break into the industry or your own experience? I do think it's very important. I do. Th- I think it's mm. insane that there's such a disparity still after, you know, that there's mm. such a kind of disproportionately few female directors. I think that's really insane and it drives me kind of crazy. And I think that that 
subjectivity, that point of view is incredibly important. And it's not, I mean, I think it's, a woman can make films about anything, about men, but I think you just need female creators because they come from us, you know, unique, they have a unique point of view. I mean, it's individual, but it just has to be more balanced. And I do find on a daily basis that there's just a kind of, implicit bias there and it's very hard to rise above that and you know i really feel the you're people are less inclined to give you the benefit of the doubt Mm. as a woman i mean i I think even without people acknowledging that would be a reason why they they might say no or be less inclined to say yes but i think it's operating and it's just enormously frustrating yeah i think i think you're right there it's uh although in australia they have they are trying some different things here of course the screen australia um gender matters program i'm hoping that it gets extended Mm -hmm. yeah what do you what are your thoughts about something like that in in place yeah i think i think whatever it takes i think that Sometimes it needs some intervention to redress the balance because because we, we have to sort of train up the next generation coming through and give young women a chance to to develop their you know themselves as filmmakers and for it to be a more equal playing ground and you know if it takes some kind of engineering to achieve that for a while then then I think that's fine it it wouldn't be forever but I think it sometimes it it takes that to just like shake things up and you know give women a chance exactly I I mean I I agree some people would say well won't it mean you'll get less quality and I think that's not really the point (laughs) that's not how it will work no and I, I don't think it's true because I don't think it's true if you look at a country like France, where the it's a it's a little more balanced than America. I mean, there's mm. just you know, huge number of talented women directors there. So yes, yeah. I interviewed one fantastic film I've seen. I don't know if you've seen it called Raw, R A W. No, I don't by, know that film by Julia Ducanu. Um, uh, no. People in the audience. It was at I think it was at TIFF, and people in the audience was it at Cannes? Uh, f- Fainted. Had to. They had to get an ambulance because. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's about. Well, it has themes of cannibalism in it and um, female coming of age. I I think you might find it. I don't know. Enjoyable is the word, but interesting. So. Yeah, I'll I'll look it up. (laughs) Did really well. (laughs) Now the other thing is, as far as influences go, uh, for women directors do you do you have anyone in mind that you know really stands out and you go wow i wish you know i could come up with something like that or or just adore their films yeah, i mean the last time i felt that mm. was was seeing T- tony erdman Marin, yeah, Marin yeah, Ardi's film yeah it's it, her name is Marin marinada marinada yep yeah yeah exactly and and i just was really I was just really knocked out by that film. I just thought it was so masterful and so original and ambitious. And she just did exactly what she wanted to do. It just was made with complete authority and hilarious. And so I really admired that film very much. And I've always, I've always admired Claire Denis. Mm. That's another woman I've admired. And also Andrea Arnold. She's mm-hmm. fantastic. And Jane Campion. She's, you know, in a more personal way, she's been a, um, inspiring to me. For a long time. Yes, she has inspired a lot of people and um, 
well, you've worked now with her her daughter, so that must yeah, have been quite interesting. Yeah. yeah, she's very talented. Yeah, she's she's very very talented. Yeah, she's wonderful. Yeah, did she seek you out to play the role, or she just auditioned like anyone else? Um, no, I no, she didn't audition, and I um, I knew her through Jane. I've sort of known okay. her off and on for quite a long time, so I approached her, and. She said yes. That's cool. It's good when they can do that. Now, speaking of Kiwis, speaking of New Zealand films and things like that, um, I guess you do get claimed by New Zealand but also Canada. Where do you fall on that and does that matter or, you know, do you you think of yourself as a New Zealand director or Canadian? I don't know that it's a matter of choosing. I haven't haven't made a film in Canada, so... Mm. So that's a little different, you know. Mm. I mean, I, I worked on a television show there called Michael Tuesdays and Thursdays a few years ago, but that's really the only Canadian work that I've done, mm. and the rest has been New Zealand or or America. Yes. So I mean, in terms of where <laughs> I, I guess, sort of sense of where I come from, that would be it would be New Zealand. Yes. Yes. Is it because of the work that you find more opportunities, I guess, or uh, you know, chances to do things? Is that why you live in the U.S., or would that be a matter of choice? Yeah, partly personal reasons, partly because I like um, I like working in a in a bigger arena. I mean, I just I find I just I'm inspired by living in New York still, mm. and you know I feel there are possibilities. I mean, in in reality, it's actually very hard to make films here. Because obviously there's no, you know, government support, and yes. so you're you're sort of at the mercy of the market, which is pretty ruthless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, you know, just keep keep working away and hope that you know it gets it'll get easier after having made another film. You know, it's 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 it gets harder when when the sort of a big gap between films mm. I think because you have had a, quite a bit of a gap I guess yeah. for your own uh, yeah. work and career which brings me to what happens yeah. to the rehearsal like it's doing the rounds and you know some of the festivals since last year what will happen to it yeah it's doing some festivals and um, still trying to get distribution here mm-hmm. which is not so easy without big movie stars yes. so that you know that becomes its own challenge but you know, I'm confident that it'll find it'll find its um, an audience and find a way to get out there. It just takes a little bit of time. Mm. Well, it is a beautiful film, and Kerry Fox once again. I just want to see her more and more on the screen. You know, yeah, she's, she's fantastic. She's ferocious. Yeah, she, she is so good. <laughs> she must have enjoyed. She's strong. Did she enjoy the character? Did she? Because um, it's quite. I a- think so, and I mean, she just had. So much, she brought so much experience to the mm. part because she's obviously been an actor for years. She's also taught. She's worked with so many different directors. So she's she could just sort of tap into, um, you know, every part of that role. It was really quite delicious working with her. And she's she's very funny. She's just sort of no holds barred. She just sort of come out come comes out with things and <laughs> in in a very you know blunt, forceful, surprising way. And she's, <laughs> Yeah, very funny yeah. and very strong, and she just has such authority. So she's really perfect for it. Well, Angel at my table, and of course, Shallow Grave. Um, 
just brilliant performances mm. and both. Yeah, she's so good. Yeah, and so different, so different from each yeah. other. Yeah, um, well, I should I wrap it up because I'm talking a lot and uh, asked you a lot of questions. But I did want to ask a, a favour because we are a feminist show abroad on Joy 94.9. And so um, mm-hmm. I always ask a feminist question, if that's okay. Um, sure. <laughs> uh, and that is, um, do you consider yourself a feminist? And what does that mean, do you think, to yourself? Um, yeah, I don't necessarily use the word a lot, but mm-hmm. I do. I mean, mm-hmm. I do I do consider myself a feminist, yes. And, you know, I think that means for me, um, it's, it's about, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's about supporting other women, it's about, you know, standing in my being a woman and being proud of that and, mm. and, and exploring that because that, that's what excites me, you know, in making films and in my work is, is just standing in who I am and a big part of who I am as a woman. Mm. And, um, and also just changing the balance of power in this, you know, Mm. in this world because it's it's a little too skewed towards men and and that really has to change for so many reasons. Yes, I agree. And in um you know film culture and things yeah, it, it needs to still. So that's great. Now, before I let you go, I wonder if you could uh, do a last favor and that is uh do a station ID for us or a show ID. Okay, sure. Okay, so the name of the show is Broad as in Broad and Broads, you know. Um, and our station. As in broad? Yes, broad. broad. Yeah. B R O A D. Yep. And it's yeah. on Joy 94.9. Okay. When you're ready, thanks. I'm Alison McClure. Okay. You ready? <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm Alison McLean, and this is Broad on Joy 95. Sorry, you have to tell me that again. 94.9. 90. 94.9. Nine. Okay, 94.9. I'll try that again. Okay, okay. thanks. This is Alison McLean and... I'm sorry, I'll say again. <laughs> I'm Alison McLean and this is Broad on Joy 94.9 FM. Perfect. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. And and uh, good luck okay. with the rehearsal and everything. Um, I love the film. It's. I mean, I'd like to see it as a television series, to be quite honest. That's cool. Yeah, that's a good idea. Something for Netflix. Well, thank you so much. It's been nice to talk to you. Yes. Thanks, Alison, and good luck. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Excellent. That was Alison McLean, um, Kiwi Canadian filmmaker who, now based in New York, where obviously she loves the town, and who wouldn't, and talking about her film The Rehearsal, talking also about, well, that's her new film, kitchen sink looking back in the past there at her wonderful amount of work uh jesus's son torn the natalie imbruglia video which she made uh and um crush and many many other things including the experience of being a woman uh and feminism and what it means to her so we wish her all the best of luck with her film uh the rehearsal 
and don't forget to catch it playing for a limited time at the ACMI here in Melbourne. If you live in Melbourne, it's running from the 18th of January to February the 6th. We have a very special opening night, um, which will have a Skype Q&A after which, and that is Wednesday the 18th of January. Thank you very much to ACMI or ACME for giving me the chance to speak to one of my most favourite of all time, our Kiwi directors, Alison McLean. I'm Sonia, and this is Broad on Joy, 94.9. You tell me when I can? Oh, yeah, go. Okay. Hi, everyone. It's Julia Ducourneau, director of Raw on Broad on Joy, 949. Thank you. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.